from the EPR Creation Studio. This is the Unconquered Podcast. I'm Jason Staples, and today we're talking about the Florida State defense. And this may or may not be split into two episodes, depends on how quickly I'm able to get through all of this. But it's the 2020 preview, and as always, this show is brought to you by EPR Creations. EPR Creations partners with small businesses for website development and online strategy planning. I partnered with EPR Creations to build the Show the Safeties petition to get ESPN, CBS, and other networks to update the angles they use for televised football. If you want to be able to see the receivers downfield on pass plays, sign the petition at showthesafeties.com. And if you have any need for an improved internet presence or just want to improve your marketing, call EPR Creations or send them an email and let them know you heard about them from the Unconquered podcast. You'll be glad you did. Information's in the show notes. All right, in keeping with the bad news to good news approach that I began this uh, preview series for 2020 with in the offensive previews. We're going to start with the linebackers in this one. But before we get to that, I want to remind everybody that essentially the approach that I'm taking here is that we're going to start by thinking about which positions and which position groups are an upgrade or a downgrade versus the prior year. And that's a way of helping understand What kind of improvement can you really expect? What kind of performance can you expect if you're returning the same guys, if you're returning the same roster and in other years, if you're returning the same roster and the same coaches as the prior year, how much improvement can you really expect from that group versus, okay, you're returning, you've lost some guys, but you're returning more talented guys to step up in their place or vice versa. You're returning guys that are less talented than the guys that they're replacing. So that helps give some sense of what, what you can expect in terms of improvement realistically in, in, in terms of, look, you're not going to replace Marvin Wilson with a sophomore three-star defensive tackle and say, well, yeah, but you know, they're, they're better coach now and you're going to expect improvement. No, players matter. And so what we're going to do is we're going to, we're going to take a look at what the defense loses from last year in terms of personnel, what they return. And then we'll also evaluate, this is where the the coaching thing matters as well, is how much does coaching or system affect things? In, In this case, that's a really, really big factor because quite frankly, last year, coordination was a disaster. The dysfunction on defense cost them a great deal of ability to capitalize on the talent that they had defensively. Last year's defense was one of the three or four, I think it was, most talented defenses in the in the country in terms of overall star ratings of the of the roster, of the defensive roster, which is absurd because they were they were not good. I mean, you look at the at the defensive rankings last year, and they were 61st in SP plus and 50th in FPI, and it felt worse than that by the end of the year once they'd lost some players. So that with a top five defensive talent roster. Whereas offense, you can point to the offensive offensive line and you can point to the quarterback position and you could say, well, you know, there's some, there's been some recruiting issues and some attrition issues and just some bad luck and some other things that have affected the roster. Defensively, you couldn't say that defensively. You looked at it and you went, how are you, how are you sucking with this group? But it was really the dysfunction that started at the very top. And all of the tinkering and and requiring that specific defenses be run that weren't even what the coordinator preferred. And then some of the assistant coaches weren't really 
They didn't even really understand the defense that they were being asked to run and didn't believe in it. And so you have a combination of a coordinator who's running a defense he doesn't believe in. You've got position coaches who just are learning the defense on the fly and don't really believe in it either. Then you're short, you're short a coach. So all of that dysfunction filtered down to the actual performance on the field. So even, so this is the one place where if you're looking at the, at the FSU roster and you're looking at last year to this year, offensively, as I mentioned in the last uh, podcast, you can't really expect a ton of improvement. I, I don't expect a whole lot of efficiency improvement from the offense year over year in terms of overall rankings. You know, when you look at the SP plus rankings, they'll probably be in the same quartile, relatively speaking. The, the ranking will be higher because there's fewer there's fewer teams. So they'll they'll the they'll where they would have been say. 41st or something last year, they'll be like 30th or something this year. And that's, that's, that's basically equivalent given fewer teams, but I don't expect them to suddenly jump into the top five or top 10 of offensive efficiency. Even though I do think Norvell is a little bit better in terms of his ability to, to use his talent and not ask his guys to do things that they don't do well. I think there's more creativity and more flexibility there on offense. I still think that last year's staff, that last year's offensive staff, got a good bit out of the out of their talent and managed to to get reasonably efficient performances. So you don't expect a whole lot of improvement there. Where you should be able to expect improvement is on the defensive side, just from the from the coordination side. But that said, what we're going to do is we're going to go through and look at the personnel stuff and say, okay, how much better can this personnel group get? How much better can the individual pieces get before we even consider? how much better this can get once you actually get into a scheme that's united and ha- you actually have five position coaches on that side of the ball, et cetera. So we're going to start though with the linebackers. Cause this is, this is actually the, the weakest position on the defensive roster. It has been for a couple of years now. And it, that's, that's really not changing where they got picked on a lot last year was at the linebacker position, particularly in the passing game. But the running in the running game, they the linebackers also struggled. They struggled to make their reads in a double read system where uh, they they were running a lot of tight fronts. That's where you've you've got a, a nose tackle right over top of the of the center, you know, head up on the center. You've got two essentially defensive tackles that are lined up at the four eye position or over the inside eye of the offensive tackle, and they're basically going to try to occupy blockers up front and not give up any ground, and then they're each responsible for the, for two gaps. And then the linebackers behind them are essentially responsible for two gaps, whichever gap the defensive tackle kind of gets turned out of a little bit, the backer has to fill. So that's a lot of reading from the backers. And this year, they're not going to be asking their backers to do that all that often. They're going to, they're going to have some two gapping periodically, but by and large, Fuller's defense is simpler than what they were being asked to do. And, it's dependent much more on turning that that front four, and he's going to run a, run four down more often. Even though the the fox, the 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 boundary end, they call it the fox, is going to stand up a good bit. It's still effectively a four down look. They're gonna they're gonna get those guys upfield, and they're gonna ask those guys to to create havoc more, and let the linebackers have one gap and trigger downhill as fast as possible. And basically, they're trying to make plays in the backfield rather than stack things up at the line of scrimmage and and do it that way. So in a lot of senses, 
this is going to make it a little bit easier on the backers. Because the, the tight front requires that your backers be pretty good. I mean, it helps if your defensive line is great and it cleans things up for the backers. But if the backers aren't there to clean it up well, the tight front can expose that weakness. And, and it's interesting that they, they decided to go with the tight front. Taggart want, demanded that they go to the tight front last year as their base defense, despite the fact that it would expose the weakest, <laughs> the weakest position on the defense. And generally speaking, what you want to do as a coach and I know this is a radical idea, but what you want to do as a coach is you want to figure out what your players do well and what they don't do so well, and then ask them to do what they do well as often as possible and try not to ask them to do what they don't do well very often. That's that's really what coaching is in a nutshell. And last year, defensively, they asked those guys to do, in terms of what they set up defensively, just from the scheme from the beginning of the year down, they asked those guys to do what they didn't do well for the most of the year. I mean, you had... You've got Josh Kando, who is a former top 10 recruit, and you're asking him to do a lot of dropping back in coverage because you're running tight fronts and you've got him at an outside backer position, essentially. So you're going to ask him to cover instead of pass rush a bunch when really he's potentially one of the best pass rushers in the conference, could become one of the best in the nation based on just overall physical talent with, you know, real coaching. And... You're going to ask him to do that. But then you've got linebackers who aren't really ideal for, for really anything. And then you're going to ask them to be kind of the centerpiece of your defense. So you kind of want, it's no wonder that last year didn't go so well. And you combine that with the, the staff not really having a, a good uh, sense of, of coordination and a good sense of unity in terms of what they wanted to do. It was not aligned. So when you look at, at the backers, you lose Dontavious Jackson. Well, bye. And then you, Lars Woodby, Jaden Lars Woodby moves to safety to the uh, to the buck position, the boundary safety position, which is actually it's similar to the old rover position in Mickey Andrews defense. So that's where the it's the big safety role in this defense, like what you had with Shevin Smith and Derek Gibson and those those guys in the old Mickey defenses, where that guy was kind of a hybrid safety backer as often as not just faster than the normal backer, maybe a little bit lighter. And that's, that's what you're, what you're basically getting from that. So would be is moved to safety, but it's really kind of that hybrid position. We'll talk about that when we, when we talk a little bit more about the safeties, but you got those two guys that move on and then you're replacing those guys with three starters, Emmett Rice at the will at the, at the weak side linebacker, Leonard Warner at the mic at the middle linebacker and Amari Gaynor at the stud at the uh, at the strong side linebacker, which is generally going to be the, the position that comes off the field when you go to nickel packages. Now, I'm really curious how they're going to use Gaynor because I actually think he well, well, we'll talk about that in just a moment, but I'm curious about how they're going to use Gaynor. Now, when you look at those three as starters, I think Warner is a is a mild upgrade over over Dontavious Jackson. But not, you know, a far and away night and day better player. Might be with better coaching. And then Emmett Rice actually has shown flashes. So, you know, you've got some and he's a quicker guy, which helps. And then Gainer. So the real questions last year, one of the things that was a big you, you had two big issues at the backer position. One was that they they struggled with making their reads on time and triggering quickly enough into the right gap. And that's that's kind of 
that's kind of a, a bad trifecta in terms of of stopping the run. The other thing was in ter- that they it took them a while to really get where they needed to coverage wise, and they never really fully got there. Some of those guys were were getting there. Lars Woodby was was getting there, and then he got hurt. And once Lars Woodby was out, they they couldn't cover people at the backer position, and teams cut him up underneath. Teams really took advantage of Florida State at the safety and linebacker positions last year in in the passing game. They they basically were able to isolate guys that they wanted to get open against linebackers and against safeties, and they kept getting open against those guys. They didn't have to attack the corners because they didn't they, they could get what they wanted on the inside. And the real question is whether or not Florida State's going to be better enough at that aspect of the backers this year. Now, that's where better coaching at the position should help. And they went from a, in my view, and I, I was honest about this all along, um, a significantly below average coach at the linebacker position in Raymond Woody. And they replaced him with a very, very good linebackers coach in Marv. So this is where I think the the backers should be better prepared for what they're going to see on game day. And that should result in, in quicker recognition and quicker triggering and a little bit better coverage even in year one, I think that the better coaching, better preparation is going to matter. So that's going to help. But I still think that there's some concerns there. Rice has shown the the quickness and the potential to be a decent coverage backer. So I think I think that's that's optimistic. I think there's a, there's reason for optimism there. Warner is obviously bigger, heavier, and more limited as a space backer. To me, he's got to be your two down backer. You, you take him off the field when you go to nickel. And you got to figure out how you're going to how you're going to arrange your defense. Otherwise, ordinarily, you might take Amari Gaynor off the field at the stud position and then put, say, a safety or a, ba- or, a or a corner at that stud position in place of him. And then you could leave the other two backers in. But I just don't think you want to do that. I think you're going to have to slide Gaynor over maybe to the mic or the will. And maybe Emmett Rice goes to the mic in those nickel packages. I'm, I'm curious to see what they're going to do to be able to make sure that they have the best possible coverage guys on the field against spread looks and on passing downs to ensure that they don't end up just giving up a bunch of plays against the backers in coverage. And honestly, Gaynor to me has always, even when he was in high school has always seemed to be a better prospect has been better moving forward. He really has shown a lot of potential both in high school and last year, late last year in, in uh, college as a pass rusher, that's really where he's most natural when he's moving forward, when he's able to burst forward, he's more natural there than when he's playing in space and moving laterally and backwards. He's just not quite big enough to really play with his hand in the dirt. I I actually think that I thought when they came in that he might be a, a decent candidate to play at Fox at that boundary end, which is sort of their hybrid. It's more like a three, four outside linebacker who's a rush end, but also will drop back in coverage. Some, I really felt like Gaynor was a good prospect for that. And he may end up be end up there next year. I don't know. I liked him better there, but we'll see. I mean, it's possible that, that he actually is what they want and, and is able to do all that they want at that stud position. And what they are using is a, is ultimately a bigger personnel with Gainer on the field, you're almost in a in a three four kind of personnel where that boundary end, that fox position, is a big end, and then Gainer is a bit bigger 
potential rush edge guy on, from the field side. So you've got a little bit more ability to uh, to play big in the box with Gainer on the field there rather than moving down. But I'm curious to see if they're going to have packages where, say, you slide Janarius Gen- uh, or, or Kando inside and then Gainer down to the edge and then you replace Warner with somebody else. And then all of a sudden, I think you've got a really good pass rushing unit on the field. And that to me, again, there's going to be some some personnel stuff that I'm really curious to see what they do. But overall, I think that group of backers is, it's not worse than what they came into last year with. And I think with the coaching, it should be overall better than what you had. And then the backup position, the backup situation is significantly better. You've got Kevon Glenn, Jaleel McRae, and Kalen Deloach as your primary backups going Will Mike to the stud. And those guys all are flashing good potential. All, you know, three of the better recruits on the, of the Taggart era, all at the backer position. And then you've also got DeKalon Brooks. You've got Steven Dix and Jayon McCluster, all of whom, again, have shown some some capacity. And Brooks, obviously a former starter, guy that can give you, uh, give you some minutes there, but not a guy that you really want to be a starter. So there's actually some decent depth at the backer position. So you can rotate a little bit there and use guys for matchups that that are advantageous for the to create matchups that are less advantageous for the offense. I don't think you really have a backer aside from Gainer maybe as a pass rusher. I don't think you've got a backer on the roster right now who really becomes a matchup problem for the offense. It's a matter of not being a big matchup weakness for the defense and that's that's really more where you are at that position. But I think that this group overall you should expect small to moderate improvement. The moderate improvement would be because of the combination of of personnel and scheme and then a lot better coaching. Uh, I think it should be small improvement at least at that at this position. I don't think it's going to be equal or worse at the linebacker position in 2020. I think there's reason for optimism there overall. And so that's that's a plus. Now, by the way, with Keyshawn Green in the uh, transfer portal and interested to hear from Florida State from reports, uh, I would I would say that if Keyshawn Green gets on campus next year, all of a sudden they do have a linebacker who is legitimately a potential matchup problem for the offense. So you know, that that's a that's a possibility uh, from the transfer portal here. That uh, be interesting to see how that all works out. Now we're going to go ahead and f- move over to the safety position, which we're going to treat differently. We're going to treat each position that has a coach as a as its own unit. We're going to look at the safety position next. But first, this segment is brought to you by Garage Makeovers, the top-rated garage remodeling company in South Florida, according to HomeAdvisor and Angie's List. They're licensed and insured and have been serving all of Palm Beach and Broward County since 2005. So if you need painting and drywall work or overhead storage, polyaspartic flooring, cabinets, shelving, slot wall, accessories for anything you have, call Nathan at Garage Makeovers for all of your storage and organizational needs. You'll have the best garage in the neighborhood. Information in the show notes. Let them know you heard about them from the Unconquered podcast. Now, the safety position is going to be one of the more interesting positions coming into the 2020 season, if not the most interesting position in terms of us not having a good sense of what to expect. And and that's because you've got a combination of guys coming off of injury. You've got a combination of quite a bit of talent at at the position, but not necessarily talent that fits as naturally in what uh, Fuller typically likes to have at, at the safety position. 
so it's not clear who's going to be out there together at different points, who's going to play in what spots and in what situations and how these guys are actually going to be used. So this is, this is the most speculative I'm going to get on, uh, on this podcast is talking about the, the safeties because we really, we really ha- don't have enough information to know for sure what we're going to, what we're going to see. I'm going to give you the best I, I, I know and then try to speculate from there. So what we do know is that they lost Levante Taylor from last year, from the from the Zeus position or the free safety position in Harlan Barnett's defense. And then you still have Hamza Nasiruddin, who has not been 100% to this point in fall practice, and it's going to probably be closer to midseason before he's really ready. So that's a those are two two pretty big losses. Taylor, maybe a little bit less so than, than, uh, than some fans think, and probably significantly more so than some fans think. He was actually pretty decent last year. And yeah, he didn't achieve to his number one in the in the country corner ranking, which I thought at the time was a bit high, but still was actually a, a good player last year and an important player on that defense and a, a reasonable loss. Nasir Dean, if he's not out there, is a significant loss. I mean, he was playing like a first rounder last year until his injury. So that's that's a significant loss. And and you can count on that to to sting a little bit. That said, you move Jaden Lars Woodby, who also is coming off of injury back there from the from the linebacker position, and then you get Travis J from essentially an academic redshirt. So there's there's some replacement with some real talent there. Now the question is who who's going to start? Who's going to be at what spots? How are they going to mix and match different guys? Who's going to be the third safety when they go with the big nickel? There's a lot of things up in the air there, and these guys have rotated a bunch through camp, and it's just still a little bit muddy there. I'm going to take a take a swing at this and say that Lars Woodby is probably going to be the starter at, at the at the buck position, which is the boundary position. And again, in Fuller's defense, the way that this works, you have the buck position, which is on the boundary when the ball's on the hash. With the ball, the ball is on the hash about 75% of the time in college football. When the ball is on the hash. You're going to have the the buck safety is going to line up toward the short side of the field, toward the boundary side. And then the free safety, which is what the position that Harlan Barnett called the Zeus, is going to line up on the field side. And the basically that's going to dictate what kind of guys you put in those in, in those positions. The buck safety, you can also think of as the big safety, B for big. The big safety is kind of a he's more of a hybrid between a backer and a safety, whereas the free safety is a little closer to a hybrid between the corner, between a corner and a safety. So you're trying to get more of a coverage guy at your free spot and more of a guy that can come down into the box at that boundary spot. And really what's going to happen a lot of times is that uh, that stud position, especially when you're a nickel, but even when you're not, that stud position will often rotate into almost a safety position. And when you're a nickel, often to a legit safety position, while the boundary safety is going to rotate down and actually become a backer. And they're, and what they're doing there in that kind of rotation is they're trying on the snap, all of a sudden they're shifting to, it may be even the same defensive coverage that you might expect, but normally it's going to be different. You're going to shift to a totally different coverage look than what you're showing at the, at the snap, which that is, if Fuller has a calling card, it is that, and this is where he's the opposite of Harlan Barnett's approach coming in from Michigan State. Harlan Barnett's approach at Michigan State was much more, Michigan State was known, was known for running quarters, and they're going to they're line up in match quarters 
pretty much nine. Well, Narduzzi was there is 90% plus of the time. And Barnett ran less match quarters than they had before, but still they were a quarters team. And so when you lined up, you knew when you line up against Michigan state, you know that they're going to be running quarters. And if they're not running quarters, they're bringing pressure nine times out of 10, eight times at least. So you know what, what coverage you're going to get. And then you're just going to, you're going to have to, you're going to have to beat them. That's basically been their approach. Fuller thinks that that's stupid. <laughs> In all fairness, that's what Fuller thinks. Now, the, the, the reason that you do that, by the way, is that basically you say you get really good at that one coverage that you play and you make sure that there's checks and stuff built into it so that you're faster and better and your technique is really set to playing that coverage so well that it's hard to beat you. Fuller still thinks that's BS. Because Fuller basically says, look, if you hand the offensive guy the chalk and you say, here's the defense I'm going to be in, and, you, and the quarterback knows this, everybody in the, in the stadium knows this, then the offensive guy has the chalk to basically draw up whatever he wants to beat you. And he's going to be able to get a matchup that he wants, that he likes, and then he's going to be able to take advantage of that matchup. And it's just, unless you're better at, at every position, you're going to have problems. So Fuller's view is you show quarters and his base, by the way, his base coverage is, is the same coverage. He's, he's a, a quarters base, frankly. So is Nick Saban these days, he's a quarters base and he's going to be match on one side and he's going to be a, uh, a little bit different on the other side, but basically he's going to run a quarters base as well. But instead of running quarters, 85, 90% of the time, they're going to rotate out of that quarters look into some other coverage or some other version of quarters on, say, half the snaps. So they'll it'll look like quarters pre-snap, and then on the snap, you're going to see movement from the defense, whether it be a blitz, whether you see a safety rotate down, whether you see a, uh, a backer suddenly dropping into a safety spot, whether you see a, a corner bailing hard. There's going to be different things that you're going to see on the snap that it's just the attempt is to make sure that the quarterback cannot be confident based on his pre-snap read, what he's going to get post-snap. So that's where the hybrids come into play, where this buck safety has to be able to fill into the, into the, that linebacker role at times, because say 30% of the time, he's actually playing backer instead of safety, where he's going to be at about 70% of the time. And then other guys are going to be playing in different spots, but still, that other, you know, the, roughly the 40, 45% of the time that you stay in your base look, that, or maybe even you stay in it 50, 50 or 60%, depending on, again, your personnel, depending on who you're playing and all that. On that half the time that you're, that you're, that you're staying in your base look, those guys have to be able to do certain things better than others. And that's why you've got to have a guy, if you're going to play a lot of quarters, that free safety is going to be in man-to-man coverage on a vertical route a lot against a slot receiver, especially against spread teams. So that free safety had better be able to cover like a corner. And actually, in some ways, it's harder because there's a two-way go. So you'd better have a really talented cover guy who can handle giving up space to both the outside and the inside and be able to close down that space and be athletic enough not to get run by. Because what a lot of teams are doing is they're putting their fastest and best receiver in that slot position because so many teams are running quarters these days and they're getting that one-on-one matchup against the safety and they're just torching that poor safety. I mean, that's what happened to Stanford Samuels in 2018. 
is they they felt he was the best corner on the team, so they put him at the Zeus position where it's just really, really hard to cover that spot in that defense where you're going to get one-on-ones against those slots with two-way goes, and he got shelled a little bit. First of all, he wasn't as natural in space. You've got to have a guy that really is comfortable in space and is comfortable with that two-way go and is going to have the catch-up speed deep to not get run by. So that free position is going to be really critical in this defense. The boundary position is a little more protected. You're not going to get as much, there's not as much space to the, to the boundary side. So you can kind of protect the middle of the field a little bit more and not worry about getting beat to the boundary as much. So that's where I think would be is, is okay. And, but the thing is, I would have thought coming into the year that would be in Hamza Nasir Dean would have been both natural boundary safeties. I wasn't, but I don't think either one is really capable of playing the free position. Ideally, at least with Hamza coming off that injury, that's still the question mark. Now, if they were both healthy, then it would be, I think, fairly easy. You put Lars Woodby at the at the buck, and you put Hamsa at the uh, at the free safety, and you roll with that, and then you have Cyrus Fagan and Travis Jay as your backups. Pretty simple. But now I, I just don't know what you do, and so I think if I were to guess coming into the coming into the first game, I'm, you, we might see. I think we'll see Lars Woodby at the buck. And I, I think we might see Travis Jay as the starter at the free safety. Because I, I think he's the best defensive back athlete on the field. He's, he, he as I said when he was recruited, he was, he, I think he was the best defensive athlete in that class. And I think you put him at that free safety position and he's got the safety size and he covers and runs and moves. He's silky smooth like a corner. And he's fast enough not to get run by generally. So I think he, he fits that. Renardo Green, by the way, that's why they moved him to that spot, because you're going to have to have that guy that can do that. So Renardo being, again, a little bit bigger, can handle that business as a safety, but also covers like a legit corner. That makes a lot of sense. And then Fagan, I'm not sure where they've had him, actually. I mean, he's he's played a little bit of both safeties. I'm not sure where he's going to end up, that is. And, you know, I think the most natural spot is is at the buck for him playing behind Lars Woodby or maybe in front of him if Lars Woodby is is not fully uh, rounding into shape there. But I think that's that's really where you'd probably put him. But he might also be the starter at the free. Because, I mean, he's shown some ability to do some of that. And then you've still got Raymond Woody to fit into the rotation somewhere as well. So we're, it's going to be interesting to see what they do in terms of what personnel they put where. To me, with, say, Lars Woodby and Travis Jay on the field, they're probably a little bit improved over last year simply because Travis J is an upgrade athletically and just physically over Levante Taylor. Lars would be probably a little bit of a step down from how Hamsa was playing last year with would be coming off of the off of the injury, but still a really good prospect. And in terms of the ability to step into the box, maybe an upgrade there. But I wouldn't call him an upgrade over Nasir Dean. Now, once Hamsa gets back, and you, if you put both of them on the field, that gets interesting. If you put, say, those two on the field and then have Travis J or Fagan or Green as the third guy, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. But there's a lot of options, and there's a lot of talented bodies there. So, you know, the, the concern is when teams do line up in, in four wide, are they going to ask Lars Woodby to cover faster sp- slots? Can Fagan or post, post-injury Hamsa do that? We'll see. But I think this is—I think this position is going to be moderately improved. Uh, there, there is some potential for busts in this defense, with it being year one. There's enough similarities to what 
uh, Harlan Barnett was asking them that there shouldn't be a bunch of busts, but there's potential for busts. And I think you've got to expect them in year one. But I think it should be moderately improved at the safety spot. So we're at the half an hour mark. I'm going to go ahead and and, uh, shut this one down. And I'm going to do the corners and the defensive line in the next podcast. The Unconquered Podcast is brought to you by EPR Creations, Louis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty in Jacksonville, Florida, Shenandoah Newsma of Keller Williams Realty in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, Garage Makeovers of Palm Beach and Broward County, and the Unconquered Podcast Shop, which features stickers, magnets, and other Seminole gear. If you've been enjoying this podcast, please leave a five-star rating over at Apple Podcasts, post us on social media, and tell a friend. Thanks also to those supporters over at Patreon, where I post video analysis and field questions for the podcast from supporters. Special thanks to those above the bleach numbers level. That is Keith Cheney, Casey Kidd, Chris Chartrand, Andrew Garrett, Brian Leninger, Travis Smith, Vince Calandra, and Bert Bertoldi. This has been the Unconquered Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Staples. Thanks for listening. I made this. <laughs>